Oh boy. Here we go. It's that time. It's that time again. We're into straight talk where you're invited to call in and I believe, as Karen said, see if you can stump the priest, which would be me. Um, that would be a great challenge, and I would be very willing to say I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. You know, and if they stump you, does that mean they have bragging rights because they stumped a diocesan administrator? Well, if that's the way they want to look at it, that's fine with by I me. I would definitely look at it that way. I would tend to look at it as just stumped a priest, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. But that's because you're the priest. <laughs> that's good, yes, for sure. <laughs> So we're, we're waiting and willing to have calls from you. Uh, the number is 877-795-0122. You might be interested in uh, uh, learning more about administrator, possibly how um, we, a, a bishop is chosen. Um, I've, I've done some reading on that to find out that, so that might be something worth reflecting on. Uh, there can be all kinds of things that would be of interest to you out there, and we, we invite you and encourage you, if you're listening, to call in. You can also use Facebook or you can also use the uh, Real Presence Radio app. So there's three different ways that you can get your questions to us and we'll attempt to answer those. So again, 877-795-0122. We look forward to hearing from you, so give us a call as we begin this hour of straight talk. So what's so, on... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what's on your mind? That's what you're going to ask me? I was oh ask my goodness. Thing, what's we, on your mind? Yeah. We are way too... Yeah, we, we think alike. Yeah, that's That's good. scary. <laughs> Well, it's it's interesting. Um, there's a couple of things. Today is the feast of um, the beheading of John the Baptist. And um, um, probably one of the most interesting uh, uh, passages in the scriptures that I like to read at Mass is the story of the beheading of John the Baptist. Now I say I listen. I mean I say that because um, there's a lot of scripture passages that are, are moving or touching in one way or another. Uh, this one I'd like to read at mass because something very interesting happens. I find with the congregation in the reading of the beheading of John the Baptist that happens in no other scripture passage that I ever read at mass. You have me intrigued. Yes, what it is is people get very quiet. <laughs> really. That's what I sense. Okay. They get very quiet, and they focus in. And so this started happening when I was a young priest, and I would think, why is this happening? What's going on? Um, obviously, it's a good story. Yeah. Not a story. I mean, it's a story everybody knows. Right. The outcome of. Right. But it's a story that I think touches deeply on human experience, on the reality of of the attraction of the gospel as well as the reality of sin. It's kind of like what we're going to talk about at the summit. Yeah, it is. And and I think what people, when they hear the story, my sense is that people want it to be different. Okay. They want, in the end, um, for um, Herod to, you know, say to his, uh, who would have, would have been his stepdaughter, um, his wife's daughter. They want to say. They want him to say to her, "I won't do that," because it's the wrong thing to do. Right. But um, and I think I think we listen to the gospel. And we want that to be the answer, you know, because it's it's um, the, you know the reality of the sin, the the pride, um, the fear, right, um, and the and the misuse of power, um, the seduction, all right. of that. It's it's like. You know the, the 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 seven capital sins are kind of on display, right? <laughs> and we keep thinking. I think as we listen to it, maybe, 
maybe this will be different now. Maybe this time. Maybe this time it'll change. Yeah, this time Herod won't, will say no. Maybe this time Herodias will have a change of heart. Maybe this time uh, the daughter Salome will say, that's wrong, mother. I can't do that. Something. Something, yeah. Th- there is this, and to me it's like there's this eternal hope that is the God deep within us that wants it to be different. Um, and so I think that's why people are captivated by the story, why they can listen to it. You know, I think we, we read this gospel at least once a year, if not twice a year, um, and and they, they want it to be different. So I, I think that's why there's this kind of wrapped silence. Well, I wonder if it helps you stop and take a, a kind of a deep look at the decisions you've been making in the yes. recent days to say, where where have I made the wrong choice to? I, th- I think that's another part of it. I think it's we, we identify with the characters yeah. in the story. It's easy to identify with, I mean, because you can clearly see the evil. You can clearly see where where people are making the wrong choices. And then you're like, oh, yeah, wait, I... Yeah. Maybe I'm not that 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 bad, right. but I do make those same types of decisions. I'm, I'm boastful. Yeah. I can be arrogant. Um, I can um, use other people. Right. Um, I can uh, be vindictive, vengeful, right. all those kind of things. So, anyway, that's just a thought. Um, we're, we're doing straight talk here, and Karen and I have a great conversation. But we'd love to join. Have you join in with us? So eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can call, you can come in on uh, Facebook or use the the uh, Real Presence Radio app. Any of those ways that you can get a question to us, we'd be happy to try to answer it um, to engage you in what topics, concerns, questions you might have. It might be something about the Mass, something about what we've just been talking about, something totally different. Uh, might be a question you've always wanted to know. Um, so um, please just uh, take the time to pick up the phone. Um, get on uh, the computer eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You know, if they don't call in, you and I, we'd have no problem coming up with things to talk about. No, that's true. <laughs> so they better call in. <laughs> yeah, they better call in, or it's just going to be a lot of us talking to each other. So, so I see Eli has a question. Eli, what's your question I for do Father? I have a question. So I was wondering if a parish administrator, if a parish administrator, can excommunicate anybody. You mean a diocesan administrator? Or, yeah, that's what I meant. Diocesan yes. administrator. Okay, can I excommunicate anybody? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, hopefully, I'll never have to find that out. Um, excommunication isn't isn't. I would put it this way, Eli. Excommunication isn't something that a bishop decides so much as it becomes a reality that he has to announce. In other words, excommunication comes about because someone has voluntarily chosen to do something of such an egregious nature that it separates them from God and from his church and that there is a, a and it's a, fairly public at that point yes right? and a lack of repentance you know a, a kind of an entrenchment a, a resistance um, that that would lead the bishop to say there's nothing we can do other than announce or declare that this person is separated himself from the church so I mean I'd put it that way in the sense that I, I that a, even a bishop doesn't excommunicate someone. They simply declare what is the reality um, and make it public and official. So it, it becomes, you know, um, <clears throat> but I would guess, I'm going to step on a limb and guess, I would guess that if an administrator encountered such a situation and it become necessary to do that, uh, that he could make that pronouncement um, because it, it wouldn't be... Um, uh, 
something innovative because it's not coming it's not something he's deciding it's coming f- from outside to him and 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 of course and I know as a diocese administrator if that if something ever that serious manifested itself I would immediately go to my brother bishops and talk to them and say um okay guys <laughs> here's what I'm facing I need your help I need to understand what direction I should go what I sh- what should happen um so that's the way I'd, ap- I'd approach that. Um, but like, and again, I say, hopefully that won't happen. So, thanks, Eli. That was a good question. Yeah, thank you. You bet. Again, eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Call in if you have any questions or concerns about uh, anything. So I, I said, you, you asked me. Yeah, what's, what's on, on my mind? What's on your mind? You know, not much. <laughs> not you know, much. no, I just. I am an, you know, okay. What is when you feel like, um, I don't know. Okay. I know when we last talked about, uh, when we were on air about how the summer kind of messes up your prayer life because you're going every which direction and you don't really focus in. How do you pull yourself back into that routine? I mean, what are some, you just have to do it, right? But how... I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think when you identify, I'm, you know, I've come undone. Um, I, I think you have to, you have to say, you know, okay, it's time to get back. Uh, one thing I think is important. First of all, I don't think I don't think you should. Uh, I don't think you should um, spend a lot of time beating yourself up. Okay. You acknowledge, yes, I've been lax. I've been, I've, you know, fallen down, kind of in my routine. So that the first thing is because because I think to can to kind of beat ourselves up a lot really betrays a sense of I don't really trust the mercy and love of God, you know. All right, um, okay. And so I think part of it is when you identify it, it, it it's obviously an error, it's wrong, it might even be sinful, and you say, I need to I need to go back. So I think that's the first thing. And then secondly, I think you just pick up again what was your routine or your pattern in the past and, uh, um, and, and uh, you know, start. So that would be a good way to, I think, to give you kind of an indication of how we begin, so. Right. All right. Well, we have Carol from Nislin on the phone. Carol, are you there? Uh, I am. I'm Kathy, though. Oh, Kathy. Okay. Hi, that's, Kathy. That's great. Hi, Kathy. Hi there. <laughs> Hi. Um, Father Mike, I had a question for you. I, okay. I went through RCIA back in 2008. Uh-huh. And I, I never learned the answer to this, because at the time I never even thought to ask it, but... I see people come into the sanctuary, and of course they use the holy water to cross themselves. They acknowledge the crucifix and the tabernacle, but I'm wondering what is the actual appropriate order to do those things? You know, do you oh. cross yourself and then genuflect to the crucifix and the tabernacle? What do you what do you do when you enter the sanctuary? Okay, uh, good question. Let me clarify. Sanctuary means. Um, sanctuary is the area, you're talking about the area where the altar is located, or are you talking about the whole church? Well, when you when you come into the church where the pews are and everything, when you first walk okay. in, All right. um, I see people use the, use the holy water, and then from that spot, not from when they're getting into their pew, right. but from that spot I see them, some people bow, some people genuflect, okay. some people don't do anything. 
Kate, let, let me give you some clarity on that because I think that's a really good question. <clears throat> First of all, the gestures. There's The church gives us two gestures, well, three. Let's go back to the, you know, walk into the church. I think first thing most people do is they they would um, dip their hand in the holy water and they would bless themselves, make the sign of the cross and, you know, okay. say in the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. That usually is the first thing you do. Um, what that says is I'm a Catholic, I'm baptized, I have a relationship with Jesus and his church, and as I walk into this space, I'm acknowledging that. I'm, I'm opening myself up to that presence of God and his son Jesus that are present in that space and through the baptism that I've received. Then, then there's two gestures after that. There is a bow that's generally done to the altar. Now the altar meaning the place where the sacrifice happens. And the bow to the altar is done because that is the focal point of the church when the mass is going on. And if most people, when they're, if you're talking about coming in to go to mass, you're coming in to prepare yourself to enter into that sacrifice with Jesus, which is focused, if you will, on the altar. You know, the, the, all, the whole mass is important, but that, that altar becomes the focal point because it's there that we um, we remember what Jesus did for us and we believe he becomes truly and really present to us. So there's the gesture for crossing in front of the altar is a bow. The gesture for of genuflection is reserved for the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, in the tabernacle, okay? <clears throat> and so, and so okay. when you walk into the church, um, you can certainly genuflect right away if you recognize that the Blessed Sacrament is in the church, if you recognize the Blessed Sacrament is there in front of you, um, you can genuflect uh, right away. You can also move into the church till you get to your pew. What's important is that you're conscious when you genuflect of to whom or you are genuflecting. So you're acknowledging Christ present in the Blessed Sacrament. Now, if, if the church doesn't have a, a, bless, a, a tabernacle in the in the church proper if it's in a side chapel then you would bow to the altar if the tabernacle okay. is in the church either in the sanctuary uh, behind the altar or in, you know up by the altar or if it's to either side you would genuflect in the direction of that tabernacle and then go into the pew so if there's a tabernacle there and you're genuflecting you wouldn't necessarily bow to the altar if there is no tabernacle present in the church proper you would bow to the altar. And it's a profound bow. It's a bending of the body um, to acknowledge sure. um, the action of Christ that will take place at the altar in a few moments. So that would be my answer to you. That's a fantastic answer. I'm so grateful that I called. Oh, well, good. Thanks <laughs> for like calling. Now, now when I go into church, people won't be judging me because I, I, know, that I, I know that I didn't know the answer to that. Sure. And so, and I just, bad to ask it, but I'm so glad that I got the chance. Thank you, Great, Father. Kathy. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. We have a, a listener question from Mary and Bismarck. Mary says, why did it take the Israelites 40 years to go through the desert? And she also thinks that Father Mike would make a good bishop. <laughs> well, Mary, thank you for the vote of confidence. <clears throat> um, in terms of me being a bishop, I don't think it's going to happen, but thanks anyway. Um, I'll take that as a compliment. Um, why did it take the Israelites 40 years to go through the desert? Um, um, f uh, the uh, scriptural understanding of that is is they committed a, an egregious offense against the Lord. And because of that, he said that you're going <clears> to <throat> suffer the consequences of the choice you made. 
and so they wandered in the desert and and, and forty in the in the biblical language is a is a significant number um you know Jesus was in the desert for forty days in his his fasting. The Israelites wandered forty years in the desert. those are two examples, so the number has a significance in terms of of saying that this was a significant amount of time and and it obviously it was a significant amount of time um and and but it but they why did it take so long it was the result of of god's um allowing the israelites to suffer the consequences of the sin that they committed so that's why i'd say it you know it, it took that long time and what they did was they they denied that god would take care of them when they entered the promised land they they became fearful and resisted that 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 presence of god and the power in his life and he said because of that um and the other thing he says is that none of you who have who have diso- been disobedient to me will ever see the promised land and it takes it a few takes years a while to for that, that to get done so to that's accomplish that so mary that's what i how i would answer your question and thanks again for thinking i would be a good bishop i really appreciate that have yeah. a good day okay so i've always wanted to say this phone lines are open Call in right now. <laughs> there you go. Right? All okay, right. the number is 877-795-0122. And we would love to have you call in and, and try to stump Father right now. Okay, so we have um, the, another way you can get in contact with us is on Facebook. Um, just search for Real Presence um, and Radio, and you can find the link to the post with Father's picture on there and, and ask a question. So this one is from Blaze, which happens to be my son. So. Yes. Don't oh, go easy hi, on Blaise. Um, <clears throat> since Jesus is both God and man, does he have a human soul with his divine spirit? Wow. Blaze, when I come to supper next time, you're going to have to cook the whole meal. <laughs> <laughs> um, hope you like hamburgers. <laughs> hope you like hamburgers. Uh, Blaze, that's a, that's a wonderful question. Um, and I'm going to take a stab at this because um, it's interesting. This was on... Um, this was a question asked on a radio show on uh, with EWTN, and I listened to it, and I was pretty. Uh, I found it attractive and interesting to um, to what he was uh, what was um, what he was saying, and my memory of that is that that Jesus does have that. There's two natures. We believe that in Jesus, there's two natures. He's truly God and truly man. So everything you say about Jesus, everything you say about God, you have to say about Jesus. Anything that's true about God is true about Jesus. Anything you say about man is also true of Jesus, except the reality of sin, sin. In, in, yeah. human, in human beings' lives. So, does a man or a human person have a human soul? Yes. Did Jesus? Yes. Um, now, when you talk about he was fully God... Um, obviously, the Holy Spirit was present, therefore, in his life. So, is the Holy Spirit present in in Jesus? The answer, obvious answer to that, is is um, is yes. So, I would say yes. He has a human soul, and yes, he has a divine spirit. That would be my answer. And I am very willing. If anybody out there is listening, going, uh, uh-uh, not quite right, Father, um, I would be very willing to to uh, have a response to that. But that would be the because the last thing I want to do is lead people astray. Um, but that would be my understanding or my explanation of that for Blaze. So I appreciate you calling in, Blaze, and I'm looking forward to that hamburger. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, okay. Well, we have a comment from Tony on Facebook, and I think we could all agree with this. She says, thank you for all you do, Father Mike. Appreciate that, Tony, very much. Um, um, I always tell people um, 
what's on my calendar is on my calendar because I want it on my calendar because I put it on my calendar. Yeah. And if I have a secretary who's putting things on my calendar, I can't blame her because I've told her to put it on my calendar. Right. So everything I do, I do because I want to do it, but I do appreciate um, the acknowledgement of that and and um, thank you too for what you do for spreading the good news about Jesus in our world. So um, it's, it's a great life. It really is. <laughs> well, I, I think that I think later you should probably say a Hail Mary for Tony or something. That would be a nice idea, you know, yeah. She's like, she's obviously really grateful for you. Yep, so you for sure. Return that with, you know, some type of generous thing. So if you want to call in, um, number is 877-795-0122. And, you know, last time we were on, I got that number completely mixed up, and so I practiced it all month. And you did a, you're doing a great job. You know. Yeah, isn't that 877-795-0122 is the question. Okay, we have Wendy on the phone. Wendy from Lead, are you there? Hi. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Father. So I just, first I want to say thank you for everything that you, uh, that you're doing. Uh, we've known each other for a long time, and I feel very blessed to know you. So thank you thank for you. stepping up. Appreciate it. Um, yes. Uh, my question is, um, I'm wondering, during the Our Father in the Mass, you know, some people put their hands up, some people hold hands. I prefer to keep my hands to myself because to do otherwise is distracting from what's going on at the altar. Um, I've read that nowhere in the rubrics does it say people are supposed to put their hands up during the Our Father. In fact, they're not because the priest is the one who's making the offering. Um, I just wondered if you could speak to that and, you know, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> um, I can, Wendy, speak to that. Um, so you you are right in that there is no rubrical description of what people do during the Our Father except to pray it. Okay? So mm-hmm. the gesture, any hand gesture is not in the general instruction. Now, there's two ways of looking at that. You can say if it's not in the general instruction, then we shouldn't do it. Or you can say if it's not in the general instruction, then you're free to do whatever. Um, I would tend to f- to follow the first uh, course of action that says I, I think the general instruction was put together in a careful way and so I would mm-hmm. say what's there I should do obviously if they give me an option I can take an option you know mm-hmm. you can right. do this or this I think I have the freedom to do that but if it's not there it's probably not there because of some um, reasoning or some understanding or because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so my encouragement to people would be to to not do anything with your hands except fold them. Specifically, okay. the gesture of raising your hands in a prayer gesture, it's called an orans position. Um, now, to pray that way, if you're at home and you want to raise your hands and pray the Our Father, that's, that's fine. When you walk into the context of Mass, Mass is a ritualized activity. What that means is there's a set, kind of a set pattern of the way that we do it. And within that pattern, there's options and variations, okay? But... One of the gestures that's pretty clearly stated is that the priest, in extending his hands, in opening his hands and, and extending them, however priests do that, and there's different ways that people priests do that, but basically when a priest lifts his hands up in prayer, he's praying on behalf of the people. And okay. so that the specificity of what raised hands means in liturgy, I would say, is that the person that the person raising their hands is praying on behalf of the people. That's a That's a a specific gesture that's reserved for the priest at Mass. 
Um, it is not a gesture that is given to the faithful, because in in when we all we are all praying together, um, then you know I'm not praying I'm not praying for somebody else. I'm praying for myself, in and in, in in most of the contexts of mass. But the priest, as the as Christ present in his leadership, is praying on behalf of the people, and you'll often notice that if you listen carefully to the prayers he prays, that he's saying, he's praying, you know, we the church or things like that. And so I would say holding your hands up in a gesture of during the Our Father is not appropriate, in my estimation. Okay. Now, having said all that, if because there is no directive that says you can't do that, I also don't mm-hmm. think you should um, fault people or say you're doing that wrong. But I also think it's perfectly okay for you, Wendy, to say I'm, I'm going to pray the Our Father with my hands folded. Um, okay. I don't think we should ever, when, when there's no gesture given, we should ever force other people to um, to uh, do something that's not in the rubric. So anyway, all right? All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Wendy. You all right. Um, we have a, a caller has a comment on the Our Father discussion. Did you want to? Oh, go ahead. Read it. Okay. It says, member of AA um, says that they... Always hold hands at AA. There is a tradition observed at these meetings while saying the Lord's Prayer. And I've been at more. I've not been at AA meetings, but I've been at um, adult children of alcoholics meetings, and that's absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with it there. We, you know, we have because it's outside of the it's, mass. It's not the mass, and, and okay. there are you know that is a custom and a tradition in the AA meetings that is perfectly acceptable, um, because the people. Um, uh, in that setting, <clears throat> want to do that, choose to do that. Right. Um, and as I said at the end, you know, in, in talking to Wendy, because it doesn't say you can't do that at Mass, if somebody wants to hold hands, it's not as if they're doing something wrong. Right, they haven't violated some... No, but they also should not impose it on somebody else. Right. You know, I'm Be guessing... respectful. It, I'm guessing at an A meeting, if people doesn't, somebody doesn't want to hold hands, they don't. the, the A meeting yeah. aren't going to be upset about that. So we have one okay. more call. All right, we have Susie on the line from Gillette. Good morning, Susie. Hi. Hi, Susie. Good morning. How are you? Hi, Father. Real good. good. What, good. Yeah. What's your question? Okay. The people who set up for Mass when they're carrying the vessels up to the credence table and then after Mass, you know, removing them back to the sacristy, mm-hmm. uh, are they allowed or required to bow at the altar when they pass it? Um, you know, here's the way I would understand that. I, I, I would understand, you know, the, the rubric is, you know, speaks about mass in the context of mass when you're, you, you bob when you pass in front of the altar during mass. <clears throat> so there isn't a specific guideline for what do you do when you're setting up. Here's the way I'd look at that. I'd say if I'm, if I'm a sacristan and I'm passing in front of the, back and forth for the altar, you know, five, ten times setting up, I think I would bow the first time I do that. Then I think as I busy myself in that activity, I wouldn't necessarily do that every single time. Now, that's an interpretation on my part. There's nothing that says that's right or wrong. Um, and if somebody does bow and they, every time they pass in front of the altar, that's fine as well. But I think sometimes, you know, the, the sense is I walk in, I, I acknowledge that I um, am... Uh, that the altar is there, I acknowledge what its what its its meaning and its purpose is, and then I have this work to do. 
Um, and, and so I go about my work maybe at the end of setting up for Mass. The last time I passed in front of the tabernacle, I would, um, or in front of the altar, I would bow. Um, and I would say the same thing in terms of genuflecting in front of the tabernacle. Um, if, if I'm walking in the sanctuary, I genuflect the tabernacle the first time that I do that, and then I would um, do it again maybe at the end before I'm finished with my work. Um, I hope that makes sense, Susie. It's, it's not, again, there's nothing real clear about that. And again, it's not a... Well, uh, and, and you can't limit your love for God at that point. No. And, but no, I think sometimes that. the practicality of yep. what I have to do requires right. me to go about this. And I think sometimes when you're carrying in a oh, tray full of vessels, you, you don't want to try to genuflect if you're in front oh, of the tabernacle yeah. or bow and somehow spill or do, do those. So that'd be my answer, Susie. I hope that helps. Okay, that made it very clear. Thank you right. so much. All Thanks right. for calling, Susie. You bet. Well, we're wrapping up on this, coming to the end of our uh, 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 straight talk. That was a great time. I loved it. Thank you, everybody, for the questions, the comments that they brought with us. That was really wonderful. Um, thanks to all of you um, for um, spending time with us this morning. We really appreciate that. Reminder that this segment is on at 8.30 Central Mountain Time, 9.30 Central Time, um, every Monday through Friday.